this was a fun conversation um, with my guest Flobo. You'll hear right out of the gate, uh, Flobo, he's high energy. He's an entertainer at his core. Uh, background is professional com- comedian. He's an esports commentator. He's a DJ, runs his own podcast and podcast network. Does a lot of personal branding and content creation, kind of thought leadership stuff around that. Um, so you'll hear that, that entertainer in him throughout the conversation. And interestingly, he started with time management as his number one value. But as we work through the conversation, it started to become apparent that creating a legacy was also pretty high on that list. And, and that's always interesting because I find the legacy a fascinating concept because I think a lot of people think of creating a legacy as like the ultimate form of success. And, and I get that, totally understandable, right? If you can be remembered after you're gone and still have an impact on people's lives, that feels like the epitome of your life having meaning. But inherent in legacy is ego, right? To care about legacy, to take the steps to create one, and that need for that kind of external validation of people remembering you and saying you meant something, that's all rooted in ego. So Flobo and I hit that kind of head on and talked about the nuances of ego, the good, the bad, the ugly, how we should manage it. We talked about people like Steve Jobs or Michael Jordan and debated like, were their egos ultimately net positive or net negative? And for Flobo himself personally, right? Like, is it okay to put personal relationships, family, and at times even yourself aside for this greater purpose, this greater vision? Um, So really interesting conversations around that. Maybe my favorite line from the conversation though was when he was talking about the first time someone gives you money to be yourself. And I thought that was like such an interesting, powerful concept and, and, and way to put it. And I think in many ways he lives his life around this idea. Right? He only knows how to be himself, how to be an entertainer, how to kind of understand and read people and figure out ways to make them feel good, um, and how to constantly seek more success in his life. That's what he's kind of driven towards. And, you know, this is just another example of a conversation where I feel like I, I will never get tired of talking to people from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds, with all different aspirations and perspectives. Um, it's just super, super fascinating and such an interesting way to learn about yourself in the world. So big thanks to Flobo for being on and sharing his perspective. And hopefully you guys enjoy the conversation. Cool. All right, Flobo, thanks so much for being on, man. Really appreciate it. It's like to talk to you today, as I always am. Um, I like to get right to it. So I will jump right to that first question of what's the value that's most important to you? Man, when you say you start off, hit the ground running, you yeah, weren't lying. Uh, wow. Um, you know what? I, I I thought about this because I always feel like it's a shifting thing for me. You know, mm-hmm. there's always different values I, I pick in there, almost like an arrows to a quiver kind of a thing. But above all, I would say I would say time management, mm-hmm. goal management, uh, punctuality. You know, mm-hmm. being able to not master time—that sounds like you're a superhero—but being able to right. use time efficiently uh, is something I respect in myself and others. So it's that one definitely. All right, cool. I like that one. I've had that one a couple times before, and what I always like about that is there's like a like a high degree of like practicality to it, where it's like no matter what you want to achieve in life. If yeah. you can't manage your time effectively, none of yeah. it really matters. So like, that's kind yeah. of foundational in some ways. Yeah. Is that how you think about it? Or talk to me a little about why that one rose to the top. Um, Because when you think about value, I think, and again, I, I apologize because it's a podcast, I'm a podcast host, I'm a podcast guest, but people tend to th- fall in kind of the same kind of categories, confidence or mm-hmm. be yourself or mm-hmm. be authentic, which to me, not lack authenticity, just get kind of recursive, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're being yourself, you're authentic, you're authentic to be yourself. That doesn't really help anybody who's trying to grow. But if you mm-hmm. think about what's actually, like you said, practicality, a value that helps me out in my business that you can start today, uh, it's definitely using that. Whether it's just showing up early 
Look, I got to your show on time today, and I apologize because I'm usually yeah. five minutes early because that matters to me and you because your time is valuable, and I want to give you that respect by showing up early for your show. And so that's helped me out more than anything else. That's opened more doors for me, being around, being available, making sure that you email me. I hit you back as soon as I can. Mm. Uh, that, to me, is something you could start today. And to me, is a lot more useful than being like, I'm me. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm being myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. But I will ask, though, to press on it philosophically. Like I said, we might get philosophical mm -hmm. what is it all towards though for you so i get that right showing up on yeah. time yeah you know putting that time in figuring out your schedule kind of doing all that sure it helps you get towards an end what mm -hmm. is that end you're trying to get to is it is it spiritual or like religious in some way or is it more truly practical in like a business sense of like you're trying to achieve certain things in, in your business world so let's let's start practically. So the talk about the dream, right? When I was a kid, uh, started off with entertainment. I wanted to bring back vaudeville. I wanted mm -hmm. to bring back that variety show. There isn't anything close to it in the United States. I would say Jimmy Fallon, but like I would say like Saba the Gigante is what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. That is like the, the the surface level. But ultimately, what I liked about those kinds of shows, especially because I came from a working class family, that was like your your fun for the night. And so you're in a city, I'm from New York, you're from a city where it doesn't matter what you're doing for fun, as long as you're making that money and paying those bills. But for every 10 minutes a night, I saw my parents have smiles on their faces. My mm -hmm. whole life has been able to give people great experiences and to alleviate pain for mothers in that way. So you ask about that. I'm a wedding DJ. That is my day job, quote unquote, because most of my jobs are nights and weekends. Yeah, I show up and I play the music. But when you're a bride or groom and you have someone that responds to your emails, shows up early, uh, sets up, does the best job they can, listens to what you want, you cleans up after themselves and mm -hmm. says, thank you so much for your time. When it's your day, you have the space to feel like you're a king or a queen because like, that's the day that you deserve. So when you say, what's the end game? Yeah, sure. I have my own goals myself. But on the way, you want to be able to enrich the lives of others. Because other than that, if you're doing it just for the fame, if you're doing it just for the flowers at the end, you're not really helping yourself or anyone else. So mm. it kind of is kind of interlocked. It comes down to that. Mm, super interesting. Super interesting. Thank you for sharing that, too, the, the kind of background to it. Let me press. And this is where sometimes people are like, what exactly are you asking? But but I genuinely think it's interesting, like curious, that part of it, that helping others, right? Making them mm -hmm. feel like kings or queens on their wedding day. Sure. Obviously, I could hear that, and I think most people would, and be like, "That's cool. I like that you think that's awesome of you." But you could still ask the question, "Why? Like, why? Yeah, yeah. Why? You don't have to do that. Right? No, you I could you. just focus on yourself. What is yeah. it in you that makes you feel like, no, I want to do that. I want to go that extra mile. I want to make them feel good, enrich their lives." What What's funny is that even though everyone comes with different backgrounds and, and needs and wants, there there is a, a universal truth about what we want. Right? We want to be safe. We want to be able to raise a family. We want to be able to have experiences. I always believe in paying it forward. And I asked this question to a couple of friends. I asked, what was the last time a company made you feel like you're somebody special? And then for me, a couple of years ago, there was an airline called Virgin America. They got bought out by Alaska, ain't the same. Mm. But I remember my girlfriend at the time, her dream was to see the river dying in Chicago. And I you know, put some money out, called some friends. I, I got the trip in March to go to Chicago for a week. And I flew Virgin America. And the, the spy attendants came over to what we're doing. We're ordering drinks from our seats. Yeah, their job is to 
take me from LA to Chicago. But on the way, I felt that the hard earned money that I did had value. So when you ask me why, yeah, sure, I want to be able to be profitable. And yeah, sure, I want to be able to have money. And yes, it's always cool to novelly say, oh, yeah, I help people. But I know someone who is a working stiff too. Mm. What that makes you feel when someone else makes you feel like you are important, especially mm. now when everyone says, I'm a mental health advocate. I care about mental health. I go, okay, what do you do? I post on Instagram. You know what helps <laughs> me out? When I say, look, I'm having a party and you made my birthday party the best day ever. Mm. I booked you for a comedy show and you made made me laugh my sides hurt mm. i booked you for an anti-bullying uh keynote speech and you really gave me something of value mm. that's where help and commerce and enriching lives all intersect mm. Mm. such a good answer such a, and wait, 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 you said it a little bit like maybe it mm -hmm. started with that watching your parents watch that show but for yeah. you to take the approach of, of entertaining and like bring in i would say bring in joy to people's lives i mean Hopefully. people that <laughs> haven't heard you before and just listen to you now for the first time yeah. they could hear the energy right they could hear the yeah. vibe that you bring forth so it's not a surprise but what was that like for you? Like, was that something that was just always supernatural to you and you took to it and it brought you joy in your own life or how'd you get there? I'm a firm believer that that your career path finds you. So like mm. my my family, my family is immigrants. I put that put in perspective. I feel like there's a pressure for people who come to the United States to have a very American jobs, and the American mm. dream. Um, my parents are all left brain people. Dad's electrical engineer, worked for the um, New York City Transit, MTA for like 34 years, retired. Mom's a nurse, worked at labor and delivery, done. My, my brother went from being an IT professional to being a tin knocker, which is like a welder. And mm -hmm. now he's on a second career. And so when I was a kid, I was going to be the finance kid until this is, this is so this is so new york until i had a internship with the academy of finance uh and they put me to work at at citibank over there in long island city city yeah, Tower. I remember. uh one summer i was working in the media house and what they now they call them industrials where you basically edit like not commercials but like little things for the company itself like and now our shareholder meeting and my mind opened up because these guys weren't wearing suits and ties they were rolling in here taking statistics from spreadsheets which i saw with my own eyes into cool packages with music and and swooshing lines and everything and everyone goes oh wow we, we're working on a good team i said to take data and to give it emotion is what i wanted to do so my mm -hmm. first career in entertainment even though there was dreams of being famous or whatever the first career step was being an editor i thought that was the only path it was taking the footage from a movie and make it into something that makes you feel something i went to grad school for that i have a, a film degree in editing specifically, but of course, you know, careers change. It's not a, a straight line. It kind of zigs and zags. But, but like, to me, that was really the first time it was, yeah, I was destined as far as what my parents wanted to do a very left brain job. And I found a career path that really interests me. And there was a couple of years of trying to try to do both. Right. I, I pitch editing as no dad, I'm on a computer working. That's why it's cool. <laughs> it's you know? all good. Don't worry. It's all it's all good. It's technical. Yeah, you know, it's engineering. And then I decided to jump off and do it myself. And I came into writing. Um, just for background sake. I was an editor for American Idol season 12 on the web the website. And uh my my boss Googled me one time, realized I wrote books, decided for me to write copy on connected devices. And what that means is if you're on Hulu or Disney Plus, where it's like a title and a description, I used to write those. And that opened the door to like entertainment that way. So I went from editing to writing to to comedy to emceeing and DJing and all that stuff as it went on. So it became one thing after another. The best things in life you fall into. And that's what I fell into because I was destined to be a finance guy. Mm, super interesting. So there's a couple of places I want to go with that, but let me start here. What was that? What was that that point about like your purpose, your kind of career finds you you kind of fell into it. I think people hear that a lot. At least I'll say for me, I've heard that before. 
And I get it, but there's a part of me that's like, I don't know, is that true for everybody? So for you, particularly for you, right, coming yeah. from this place where it was like almost predestined, like left brain, that's what you're going to go do. How did you allow yourself to be open up to it? How did you actually make those decisions? Because I would imagine there's certain points where you're like, shit, how am I going to go talk to my dad about this? How am I going to oh, yeah. Like, how did you yeah. actually, how did, how did it make it real for you? So at the first, the first conversation is when I mentioned going to grad school in California at the time, uh, and I drove out there. Uh, that was a, that was a rationale. It was they don't understand editing. They're going to do that. And even though it's really easy to sit in the podcast and be like, "Oh, my parents wanted me to do this, and I did this," and mm -hmm. it's true. I'm not I'm not embellishing anything. There were times you try to serve both masters. There were times when I had two jobs. There were times when I, I worked at a company 60 miles, 120 miles round trip every morning, working in an office with the dream of coming home at night and, and moonlighting or taking my weekends off or trying to do entertainment by myself, failing and going back into the corporate world. Like it isn't like a clean break quite like that. In fact, if I wasn't pushed out of corporate America, I'm going to talk about that if you want to, into a place where I had to decide to go to entertainment for my career, I probably wouldn't have because it, it felt like every time I tried to write a joke for stand-up or film a movie to edit, it did feel like I was hanging outside of my house after curfew. That doesn't go away. There's still a part of me is like my grandparents are Caribbean and they chop sugarcane out in the fields to make molasses, to make rum. And I'm here worrying about YouTube downloads. Mm -hmm. Like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. But at the same time though, if you try to find a way to pay the rent and pay the bills and you're realizing, hey, someone's giving you $5 for this. Hey, at five is more than zero. And next week it's $10. You go, well, I'm gonna keep that fire burning as something else goes on. Because the one thing I think everyone is learning, whether you are a millennial, Gen Z, or a pandemic baby is that there is no sure thing, right? The job to fall back on can fall out. <laughs> and then what, you know? So have as many streams as you can. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I think, yeah, I mean, it's so true. It's, 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 there's something so obvious and easy and clean about like, if you know what you're passionate about, if you know what you want to do, you just, you just go do it. And we hear mm -hmm. those words, right? We talked about people right. before that kind of trying, but what I, what I love about conversations like this is it allows you to get into that nuance and that nitty gritty. And I think it's cool to, to hear that of kind of where the struggles were. What did that, like, were there moments where you legitimately doubted like this whole thing is crazy, like going into entertainment, doing it this way, maybe even after you even started doing it. Yeah. So like, how'd you, how'd you genuinely overcome that? How'd you get yourself to actually believe? So it, it's funny because when I was a kid, uh, I want to say nine, I'm dating. I'm dating myself, y'all. So there, back when I when I when I was a kid, Power Rangers was huge. Remember Power yeah, Rangers? Yeah, that Power was the thing. And they had the second movie, Power Rangers Turbo, mm -hmm. and they called. A Fox had this contest that if you called this number at eight o'clock during the episode of The Simpsons one Sunday, you could be entered to be in the movie. Um, I thought acting was the path, mm. and I didn't get that role. I thought my career was over. <laughs> I didn't want to be a writer. I didn't want to be a comedian. I dang sure didn't want to be a DJ because I'm from a community and where you can't just show up and play music if you weren't good. Mm. Like, even though entertainment sounds very like specific, it is a very general thing. Like mm. I came in at nine years old thinking I wanted to be an actor. Now acting gives me the heebie-jeebies, but I am a stand-up comedian. I'm a wedding DJ. I esport commentate. These are all entertainment things for me. Granted, esports is kind of like a sports thing, but you get the idea. Mm -hmm. So being able to understand that life isn't a straight line, that like you have to give yourself some zigzags, 
gives you some of that leeway. Now there's days where I'm just like, oh, ain't no one calling me right now. Mm -hmm. Oh man, this sucks. My parents were right. I should have gone back because my dad had government insurance because he worked mm -hmm. for the city for 30 years. My friend who got that job at the trophy store, we were 17, who's still there. He's set for life because he's 30 years in the same position or 20 years in the same position. But I think there is a little bit of that, that thrill, like a roller coaster, when you do land and someone gives you money for being yourself. I think that to me was like, oh my, I can do this. And yeah. it won't be large. It won't be, you won't be famous or whatever, but you love what you're doing. That's what it is. You know, you mm. keep working on that. Mm. Mm. What's cool too about what you do, which I think is interesting is stand-up comedy, wedding DJ, you said it before, entertainer in general. Mm -hmm. You need to understand people to entertain people. You yeah. need to understand people to eventually make them laugh or to make them feel that good on their wedding day, right? Whatever it is, as a DJ, right? Making them get into the moment and feel it and all that. Is that something you've always had a skill for, kind of just reading people, understanding what they're about, what they need? Is that a big part of it? I think it's a big part of it, but now it's even more important. And I don't, I don't, I want you to know words carefully because I don't quite believe in the sentiment that people are more sensitive than before. Got mm -hmm. a lot of comedians say that, oh, people are just too PC. I disagree. Book burnings aren't new. They've mm -hmm. been doing that for centuries. I, I think the difference now is social media. You can find people who think the way you do and you can mobilize. But so reading the room is super important and you can have a joke, uh, but you can tailor your tag or punchline for the crowd. Um, people always say about who's your favorite comedian and I go, well, that changes. But I grew up in Leno and I saw Leno last week and that guy place to a very suburbanite mom and pop crowd because that's what works for him. We live in Los Angeles. He doesn't do shows in Los Angeles proper. He does shows in Burbank, Hermosa Beach, like these, these satellite cities that works for him. If you're Chappelle, you're not going to put Chappelle on, you know, in the city either. Like it's a different thing for everything. So reading the crowd is important. Being able to, to switch is important. If you are feeling hip hop in your DJ mix and someone wants the Beatles and they're a guest of honor, so you have to do it. You got to find a way to make that work. Mm. And I think a lot of that translates to other things as well. You know, just yesterday I got called for uh, the esport thing because I esport a game called Rocket League or Compton for Rocket League. Someone's like, hey man, do you do Madden? And the answer was no, but someone's literally giving you a bag of money saying, we want your voice. I go, I'll give it a shot. So I showed up and of course, Madden is the same thing as real football because people go on it on fourth and 25 <laughs> in that game. But what the people are saying is we think your voice and presence has value. You know, we want to take a risk on you. And that way you are saying, okay, I respect what you're doing. Let me read this crowd. Let me give you a bit of myself, some knowledge of the game, some entertainment and see if it works. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll fail. Sometimes jokes will miss. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that transition is going to be whack, but you will hit way more times than you, than you will miss, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm. That point's such an important one to me because I, I I can always speak for myself again, but that the jokes fail. Sometimes you miss. How do you deal with that? Because I, I know it's part of the job. It has to be right. You can't mm -hmm. succeed at what you do if you have a thin skin for that or you can't muscle through it. But at the same time, like it is somewhat personal. Like you are reading that room. You are making that observation, making that joke, putting on that song, whatever it yeah. is, yeah. commentating a certain way. And when you get that feedback, that's like, nah, no, nah, that ain't like, I, I'm not like, how does that not make you question yourself, make you start wondering, like, should I even be doing this? Yeah, it's funny because people always say, do you think entertainment is art or do you think it's a science? Mm. And I go, no, it's it's neither. It is a sport. And mm. and and that's the best way I can think of it. Because sometimes you can 
you can dog your training. You can miss a couple of rehearsals, show up and do your thing and win the game. But you're like, man, I wasn't really, I was kind of sloppy. I mean, mm -hmm. they, they laugh, but I don't really feel like I hit them. And there's times you can do everything in your power and just come up short. And there has to be a little bit of an appreciation for what you do as a craft person. Like I did the best effort I could. I, I, I chose the director I thought it was. It didn't happen this time and it'll move on. But there's sometimes when you choose wrong and, and you get that bad feedback and you feel it. You're only a human being. You're not a joke machine. You're not an internet machine. And, and I'll even give you an example. This is about a year now. Look at the, the calendar here. It's about a year ago. I did this 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 set uh, for someone who retired. They told me, oh, don't worry, just play some music, which is always the worst thing to tell a DJ. Huh. So I'm playing music. But the thing was, the music they wanted, they came up to me in the mix. I didn't have. And of course, just to give you a little bit of background, nowadays it's cool because you can download on the fly, but I was downstairs in like this cave and mm. Wi-Fi was spotty. So the songs I had were good. It was a really bad mix. Everyone said they enjoyed it. I knew it didn't feel good, but I was over it. Got a phone call from the coordinator the next day going, hey, thanks for helping me out, but your mixes were kind of rough. Uh, I don't just want you to just want to let you know some feedback. And I was like, mm. great, no problem. Talk to you later. <laughs> and I did not touch my deck for like seven weeks after that. I'm, I'm sitting there going like, Oh my gosh, I am the worst thing on the planet. But it's almost like a mental injury. It's kind of like a physical one. You got to take time for yourself. You got to rehab. You got to like try some practice things. Then take a day to make the thing that you know are definitely true or works mm -hmm. for you and go back at it because you don't want to be that person who said, oh, I got booed one time. So I gave it up because then you'll never try it again. Yeah. And it's weird because I would imagine to be able to read the room, to be able to understand people, you have to be in tune emotionally. Like you have to be in tune with your emotions. You have to feel those things to actually be in touch and see the whole picture. So it's not like you could just turn it off and be like, I don't care what anybody says. I'm right. just going forward because then you're not going to succeed either. So right. it's like you have to go into that and take it all in and figure out a way to process it. And that's interesting. That's true. There's also the flip side of it all. It's like, oh, I know what they want, but I'm going to put something in there to make them stretch just a little bit. Mm. Because sometimes you give them what they want too much, giving the kid too much candy, and mm. it becomes like, oh, no, you know, you give people too many jokes of the same genre, and then you can get repetitive. So there is that balance of, I'm going to go here and see if you go with me. Back to the sports analogy, right? So if I'm a I'm a pitcher, yeah, fastballs down the middle are effective, but every once in a while you want to paint the corners to see if they'll chase. Mm. Sometimes mm. they will, and they'll laugh at you. You're oh great. Sometimes they don't, and you go, ooh. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So what is what is the dream for you now? Like as you look forward, you got a lot of different stuff going on. Take this where you want it, more specifically, tactically, of like what you're hoping to achieve career-wise or bigger than that. What's what's it look like? What do you hope for 10, 20, 30 years from now? I'm glad you asked that because if you had asked me this as recently as a year ago, I would have said that was still the dream to, to do the late night uh, variety show and and have that as a destination. Um, but it's kind of funny what happens with your dreams kind of fizzle out. I'm not saying I couldn't do it. It's just the the segment is not as popular these mm. days. You know, there's a contraction in that time slot. Uh, shows are getting chopped up. This is Mero for frontal. What do you do? But at the same time, because I had planted so many different seeds elsewhere in that time, I am happy with a bunch of iterations of what I do. If ideally, so pie in the sky, all the time in the world, all the energy in the world, if I can tour with my comedy by night or whatever, and do the occasional esports events on weekends, like I'm booked out to do that to add like a little, not say Dennis Miller kind of thing, but like what do you do for Monday Night Football? Ideal, because mm. that is me doing myself, being myself, basically being my own boss mm. and getting paid for it. Mm. If someone says one or the other, 
if someone goes, you're going to be a comic, cool. You're going to do esports, cool. If I'm an actor, not as cool, but definitely cool than working in an office. My last day job was selling hand sanitizer door to door. That was before the pandemic. I do not want to go back and do that again. So, <laughs> Interesting. Well, I, I asked this before, but I'm going to press on it a little bit and, and we'll see where it goes. But like, what is it that you're ultimately striving for? Is it is it about, back to where your value started with time management, just having ownership over your own time? Or is it more about like certain specific achievements you're trying to to hit? Yeah, yeah. So I would, well, I am a firm believer personally of goals, right? So I have a bucket list for the lifetime, a yearly bucket list, I call it, you know, the things you want to do. So yeah, there is a bit of that gamesmanship or gamification of hitting those marks. But life can't be all just that because then you become a robot. What are the things that people worry about besides their own mortality? is legacy. Mm -hmm. um, some people do that through having children. Some people try to get a statue or try to get a Nobel Peace Prize. Mm -hmm. I am not nearly that cool. <laughs> um, but I think about in my lifetime, things that were invented in my lifetime that are going to live beyond in pop culture. I'm talking about Harley Quinn, Deadpool, Harry Potter. You know, uh, Imagine if I had a show like The Simpsons came out after I was born that reach different generations that said, Hey, look, I watched your show and my son watched your show. Oh, I came to your open mic. I came to your comedy shows and my sons did. Or when I was 15 years old, you commented in my esports games, you were the best of what you did. Hmm. I think there is that kind of legacy finding there. When you're a creative and people say, um, what's the point of doing art? If there's no audience, I have to agree with that because you can create art all you want in your house. I could be a comedian telling jokes in my mirror right here and be awesome <laughs> at it right and be i'm crushing it in my living room bro like but but at the end of the day you need an audience you need someone to tell someone else you want strangers to buy in you want people to say yeah i see validation in what you do and mm. i know that sounds hypocritical if you're used to podcasts where people go don't care what people think mm -hmm. wrong you have to you can ignore that but there's a reason why we have societal boundaries. This is a reason why we don't show up to fancy uh, dinner houses barefoot because there's a certain kind of limit that we expect. We want people to say, we think collectively what you're doing is good or at least avant-garde or at least has some merit or some value. Yeah, it's significant in some way, yeah, right? I, that absolutely. resonates with me so deeply and I'm yeah. glad you said it because I, I agree, even me doing this podcast, like I would be totally full of shit if I tried to make pretend like I don't care if anybody ever listens to this. I just care about the pure art and the conversation. Well, then don't re don't record it and don't publish it. Just have the conversation. Right. Right. But how do you stop yourself from going the other way? Because all the words you just said, I'm totally cool with. Right. You have yeah. to care what people think. There has to be this aspect of you want to build a legacy. You want to be significant. Yeah. That can easily take you too far the other way where you care sure. too much about what people think and your sure. ego gets in the way. And you're just thinking about. You know, how do I make myself look good? How do you maintain that balance to stay true to what the art is, but still have that ego and that drive to want to be great at what you do? One of my mottos when it comes to this is you are the CEO. And I know it's kind of interesting because it's like the CEO worship. You look on Instagram, I'm a CEO of this. You're like, oh, you just like collect stamps in your face and you're a CEO. <laughs> but but in a, in a traditional, the classic sense, a CEO has a board of trustees and the board of trustees ultimately tells the CEO what they would like for the company to happen. And always good to have that. Wife, significant other, your parents, your friends, some strangers online, they can all advise. And you can decide 
which advice has more weight than others, right? So when it comes to like uh, things that are considerate, my mom will have the highest weight. When it comes to making money, my brother will have the highest weight. But you ultimately have to do something that makes you happy because you are the person who's responsible day to day. I look at my downloads sometimes and I'll have the best conversations and those are the ones nobody listens to on my show. And I go, are you kidding me? I'm throwing up video game numbers. Do you not know who the hell I am? Okay, go look at it, see what's going on. But you want to sit there and be like, well, well, no one really checked this out. I quit because you don't really know when something will pop off. You know, my overnight success is 15 years in the making. Right. And people have said that. It's very rare, unless you're like 12 or 11, where you do a TikTok and you become famous. Everyone else has done everything else and come back and try that. So I would say allow yourself to feel hurt sometimes. Allow yourself to feel frustrated sometimes. But ultimately, you take all that advice, you take all those numbers, all that data, Try to find the best decisions for yourself and keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. What do you do when it gets real though, right? Let's uh, hypothetical. Maybe it's real. I don't know. You mentioned mm-hmm. like that board of trustees with your mom or whoever, your wife, who doesn't mm-hmm. matter who it is. When they start pressing you to be like, hey, maybe you shouldn't dedicate as much time to this, right? Maybe yeah. maybe you should focus on some other things in life, right? We've been having this conversation for a while sure. and there's no judgment in this, right? You and I are probably somewhat similar, yeah. but like, we're not necessarily talking about family, kids, wife, which is cool. Like that's everybody's their own thing. But as you try and bring those things in and somebody starts to tell you, maybe you need a little more balance. Yeah. That's hard for like somebody like you, I would imagine that's super driven and an artist who believes in their craft and what they're doing to hear and to really balance that. Right. Yeah. How do you actually try and take that in and make a judgment call to say, you know what, maybe I should go spend some more time with my mom this weekend rather than just hustling and working again. Like how do you actually navigate that? Cause I think what I've found is there's a lot of people who could talk about how they navigate that. But the reality is your action, yeah. right? And for yeah, a lot yeah, of people, yeah. you just pick one. Either, yep, I'll go spend time with my mom, or sure. you know what? This is really where I want to focus. How do you try and approach that in a thoughtful way to make sure you're staying true to who you want to be, you know, in this world? If some if you're in a business, let's say if you if you're the CEO of McDonald's and some of your board says you probably should quit selling hamburgers, do you keep them around? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Now I understand that if your wife is like, hey, come to this comes my mom or my kids recital, yes. You you have priorities and you can sometimes you have to give up quote unquote a weekend or two weeks or whatever. But if someone's in your circle saying, Hey, that thing you believe in, stop doing that, then they don't they have basically said, I don't want to be in your circle anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. You certain tweaks you can work with, constructive criticism you can work with. Someone tell me, get out the business. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I got things yeah. to do. I got one life to live. I'm tired of being meek, man. Well, I really this, am. Why, this is why I asked that question about value up front, because that type of decision, right, to make that decision to say, I hear what you're saying, but you and I obviously aren't on the same page. I got to go do me. It's all rooted in what you value. The way you're making that decision is, you know, what's important to you. You know what you want to accomplish in this life. Mm-hmm. And knowing that and being thoughtful about it allows you to make that decision for some people, which is impossible. How am I going to choose between that person and this or whatever? Yeah, yeah. It gives you the clarity to be like, nope. So for you, like, that conviction you have, that understanding to know if somebody tells me to stop selling cheeseburgers, well, then they're out and I'm going to keep selling those cheeseburgers. What got you to the point where you feel so sure about your purpose and your where you're driving towards that like yeah, you yeah. could make that move? So people can understand things in, in small spurts. If I go, hey, I'm thinking about selling, oh, let's say I'm, I'm doing product-based business. Hey, I'm thinking about selling widgets at the local flea market. Good idea or bad idea? But if you tell someone, yo, I got a vision where my notebook company is going to be a community for artists, that's what happens when you're a visionary. Sometimes mm-hmm. you think three or four steps ahead, people won't get it. Mm-hmm. And I've had that happen. And, and sometimes it may be like, oh, maybe I'm wrong, but why are, Why is it keeping you up at night? Mm-hmm. And so if you can't make a single decision, if you can't break down a single decision, they have them give you a, a clear answer. If they're ragging on the vision, 
that's a red flag, mm-hmm. right? If you're saying, yeah, man, I'm thinking about having, back to the cheeseburger example, I'm thinking about having cheeseburgers, I'm going to sell them for 25 cents. And someone goes, hey, maybe, maybe a dollar. That's different. You can say, right. okay, okay, maybe you're right or whatever. But someone going, aren't you a little old to be doing that? Mm-hmm. That tells me you don't care. You, that tells me you think of me a one kind of person and it's not who I see myself, my business or my craft or whatever to be. That right there is way more critical. And yes, it really comes down to making hard decisions. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying to have yourself a, a HBO drama, like throwing drinks in their faces, going, <laughs> you're dead to me. But you can say, oh, thank you so much. And then not ask them yep. <laughs> and move yep. on and do something else, you know? But you have to understand that's super important. Yeah. See, and those words seem like the right words. It seems like if you want to succeed, if you want to achieve a legacy, you have to take that approach. What I often wonder is, because I I say this a lot on the show, like I don't always trust my own mind. And that's not to say it's always wrong by any means, but like there's so much into it, like biases and blind spots and just subconscious and ego and insecurities that yeah. one of the things I always worry about, and I'll use an extreme example that I often use to illustrate it. Like imagine like Hitler, right? If Hitler went to his board of trustees and was like, hey, I'm going to do this thing. We're going to start a war. We're going to kill all these Jewish people. We're going to do all this stuff. And somebody was like, I think you're crazy. Like, I don't think that's a good idea. And he took that approach of like, all right, you're out. I'm just going to, which he did kind of right. And kept moving forward. That's a super extreme example. Obviously I'm not comparing anything to Hitler, but that's, what's always in my head of like, if I start just dismissing, and I know you're not saying that, but like, if I start just dismissing people's input, what if I'm in my own head and I don't even realize how far gone I am. I don't realize how detached I am or what I'm doing. How do you keep yourself grounded in that to know, like to trust yourself that much? Yeah. So when you have that situation where you feel, if you're ever in a situation where you feel like no one gets it and am I going crazy, not to be mean or cruel, and I'm definitely saying do like what Hitler did, um, sure. elevate your company because there's probably someone a step or two ahead of you and just reach out and say, hey, look, I think our trajectories are similar. Am I crazy? Is that even plausible or feasible? Now, I've had my own podcast network during the pandemic. As people hit me up, I want to start a podcast. I go, I have nine of them. Do it. But if someone goes, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about doing this podcast and it's going to be different, hot and fresh where I interview people and ask them what's their passion. I go, well, from my perspective, there's a lot of shows that do that. What do you want to do? Um, You're with a certain kind of group. They can only help you out with experiences they have. And so when I wanted to be a filmmaker at the time, my parents and they loved me and they understand that I'm smart. they, They didn't have that they didn't really have any kind of reference to say what you should or should not do. But when I call someone who's graduated from the program I'm going into and I go, should I do this program or try something else? Then they'll say, well, here's my perspective. Mm-hmm. So it's really a sign of your growth. Mm-hmm. Now I will say this as a cautionary tale. If you're reaching out to 10, 15, 20 people and everyone is saying, hey, maybe you shouldn't do that. I would say that's when you start waiting responses more. You got to give yourself more reasons why you should push on. So you have to keep justifying why that is. So if your friends from the block say, oh my gosh, opening up a museum is stupid. You go, all right, cool. I'm gonna call this guy who's on his own museum. And he goes, oh, that museum idea is kind of cautionary. Or someone goes, I'm concerned about that museum idea. Then you go, oh wait, why are people telling me I shouldn't do this museum idea, right? Because they're in a different circle. They know exactly what that is. They can have a better informed decision that you know when it's time to pull back, curt back or reevaluate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such good advice. And it's it's it speaks to why, and it's it's again not knocking anybody, but the culture today of like simplicity of like quick 30-second video of like here's what you need to improve as a person, or here's what you need to achieve your dreams, which you just explained. There's so much complexity and like dynamic nature to that of like be confident, 
stay true to your legacy, but also be humble enough to listen to other people and kind of look at the data you're getting and assess what's the percentage of people saying, yeah, and what's their background and how should I interpret that? And then how do I move from there? None of this is easy. None of this is like, just follow this step and you do it. And I know that sells, right? That's the easy thing to sell is to give people simple answers because that's what they want. Just like if there's a weight loss pill that you take this and you'll lose weight. Of course, everybody wants that, right? Easy. But this stuff isn't like that. And it's just, it's refreshing because I think so often you hear that easier pitch. And the reality is you got to hear like, A, it took me 15 years. B, I'm still trying to figure out, there's not one model I can follow. There's going to be times I get it wrong and I got to learn from that. And I got to be humble and just balancing all these things, which seems impossible. And in some ways it's not impossible, but it's close to it. That's why it's hard. That's why so many people don't do it. But better to hear the truth, I think, of just like how complex and hard it is. Yeah, if you don't believe what I'm saying, if you're like, man, all right, thanks. Thanks, all right, you thought leader. Look (laughs) at when I was a kid, it was infomercials where a show had 30 minutes. 30 minutes to tell you why it was important. But now even new products online, the, the trend now is that, that weird two-minute-long Instagram ad. And we all know what a squatty potty does, what Dollar Shave Club <laughs> does, what me undies do, because there's a stupid high high class concept. They take time to break down to little chunks what that is for most people. But I can imagine if I was a guy sitting around going, you know what? I want to do a plastic attachment so we poop better. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm not doing that at all. But you have a whole commercial with unicorn poop that everyone's like best ad ever. This is great. Right. I bought one for my family. And so sometimes as a visionary, as someone with the idea, as someone seeing the finish line, it's a different language to people. Yeah. And that's something you have to come around and understand what you mean, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. Well, let me ask you this, because I, I want to press on this point about the legacy piece, because I, I find that super interesting. I think... um not to presume here and you'll correct me, but like we started with time management, which I totally get. It sounds like in some ways that time management is is meant to help you get to that legacy, right? If you manage your time properly, if you do the things you said, better chance that you'll hit that legacy that you're talking about, right? That remembrance people making an impact on the world. If we press on that a little bit though, right? There's some people that look at this world and say, you got one life. I, I'm just going to enjoy it. Like legacy hundred years from now, like if you think about it really mathematically, and people have said this before, but like even the most famous people in the world, right? hundred years, further enough point out, they're irrelevant. They mean nothing, yeah. right? There's very few people that last like really the, the test of time. You could easily go the other way and be like, legacy doesn't matter at all, right? It feels good in the moment. It's all that, but it actually doesn't matter at all. Why Why does it? I'm curious in your words, why does it matter for you? One of the cool things is that you don't get to experience legacy. That, that part's out of your hands. So the gold time management things you always want to do before you kick the bucket. So for me, I want to write a book. I wrote seven. I wanted to run a half marathon. I wrote, I ran six of those. Those are things I've got to do. Those things are goals of mine. Um, legacy comes from people taking that in and, and being affected by it. I'm not writing a novel to say, oh, man, I so hope I have my own theme park ride at Universal. That's, that's glory chasing. Mm. But if I write a story that means a lot to me and I got my story out, and an audience takes it, makes it their own. And there's a franchise built from that. And people love to build on that. You can't predict that. You shouldn't be, you can't even say what's going to be, but that's a cool thing. So I'm with legacy. I'm not trying to change my perspective on that, but I just want to iterate that's out of your hands. When you're performing comedy, you're telling jokes in the moment to get laughs in the moment, in theory. You can entertain, mm-hmm. you can do a, a one-man show. But but if someone hits you up two years later and says, hey, look, I was having a tough time in my life and you made me, you gave me the reason to live, which has happened. Totally not intentional of what I was performing, mm-hmm. but that's the byproduct of that. That's the thing I want to do. I don't want someone to say, oh man, that was funny, but I don't remember a joke or a bit. 
cool night, but that was kind of flimsy. Like I love Drake as a DJ because I play them, but so many of his songs are so disposable. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But like once I when I when I put I'm going going back back. Everyone my age goes to Cali because that <laughs> that resonates because everyone knows when they heard that first song by Biggie Smalls, for example. So legacy is important, but to me more important is getting things I want done. And on this planet, you asked me today, things I haven't done. There's a bunch of countries I haven't visited yet. Uh, I want to be able to do a, a comedy special in the King's Theater in Brooklyn, back of my hometown. That's something mm-hmm. I want to do. Those are things I can I can control. But, but why myself. do you want to do those? Which again sounds like a weird question. Yeah, like, yeah, what yeah, is yeah. it about achieving travel those or things? those things? About because one, them, right? You ran a marathon. You did a half marathon, whatever it was. You did all this yeah. stuff. Like, why though? Like, what is it? What is underneath it that makes you feel like I I need to or I want to do those things? So everything is different. And I hope if I explain it, maybe maybe you can you can find the connecting tissue for me. So I was very heavy as a kid. I was about 375 pounds when I was 20 years old. Uh, I lost 175 pounds. And so to be able to run a half marathon says I can do it. Uh, I want to do comedy uh, in 2014 after a near-death experience. Mm-hmm. My parents thought it was a joke. But to be able to do enough comedy where it can fit an hour and have enough people coming to see it will say I've come full circle for that. Um, I don't think I'm totally stuck in my corner when it comes to traveling. But I do think there's a lot of countries I, I wanted to see. But to be able to do that will be on the feather of my cap. I'm not sure if they all correlate, but I think it's one of those situations where, yes, I, I have my hardships. I, I have my bad hands. And if I find a way to overperform those, I consider myself a success for that. Whether or not something outside looking in calls me success, that's icing on the cake. Thank you very much. I'll do all the alumni speeches you want me to, college. Uh, but, but to say, hey, look, you couldn't run down the, my first run was 200 feet. <laughs> but to run 13 miles or 26 miles after that, to me, it's a success. Yeah, it feels like it ties a little bit to where we were before about like that that external feedback that you get and like the mm-hmm. the nuance of managing that. Like in some ways you need, I don't want to say it, like you need validation to know you've overcome or or done the thing that you think is important to you, right? So if you're overweight and like you want to feel like I've overcome that, you need to run that half marathon to be able to have that like clear validation that says I can point to something that shows me I did it. It's not just in my own head, like, oh yeah, I'm a runner now. I've started doing this. Like you put something down where it's very clear, maybe the same with the comedy special in that. So that's what it feels like to me is because I'm speaking for myself as much as for you, that there's that, that again, that tough balance of like, I need somebody else or something else to confirm that I've actually overcome this. And that's Mm -hmm. in some ways the the cleanest way to do it. Does that feel? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I, I always come back to like, it's just such a tight rope to walk to where you don't, if, if I ask it in a very philosophical sense, it, 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 the question I often come back to is like, who, who is the real person, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we're just, if our goals and our aspirations and our values and what we want to achieve is really just rooted in things we've overcome in life, then it's really just our lived experiences. Like if you had a different set of lived experiences, maybe you have a totally different view and approach on it which makes me always wonder, like, is there a true essence? Is there a true purpose that exists in us from the moment we're born or we come into this world that was going to be there no matter what? Or are we really just a function of the experiences we go through doing those things? I don't know. Do you have a perspective on that? I, I think ambition is the essence. I think there there isn't a goal or a thing that we have inherently, but if you have the desire to do something, uh, there is there is a bit of like the high of being able to say, yeah, I, I thought I was going to do something and I did it. Huzzah! Mm-hmm. And I know people use that and flex it and put it on social media. I'm like, I ran this marathon. But 
I was I was in this this nerd seminar and I, <laughs> uh, with this guy named Douglas Neff. He he's like he called himself the Tony Robbins of nerds. And he okay. has this 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 uh, theory that goes: uh, ideas will attach to the back of your brain, and if you don't act on them, they'll detach from you and they go to somebody else. Mm. Not sure if it's true. That might that's not my place to say that. But I think that that kind of matters when it comes to hey, I have an idea about writing this book. I want to write a book, and your friends go a book. You should be getting money. You know, you write that book, you goes, man, this chapter is hard. And no one really tells you how to publish a book. And you submit to Amazon and Amazon says, the book isn't good enough, send it back. To do that book goes, all right, I've done it. Now, you can say I'm at peace with my own journey, like those Tibetan monks that do mm-hmm. little like mm-hmm. the sand sculptures and then like ruin it up. But because we live in this society now where we tend to document our flexes and achievements, I think I get kind of conflated where we go, oh, look, look what I did this year. Look what I did. And it's funny because I've done all these things and I'm on this podcast talking about these things, but I guarantee if we're having a non-podcast conversation, you came to me and go, yo, Flo, is it true? You wrote seven books and you ran six and a half marathons and you opened up for Mark Marin and you're esporting Rocket League? I'm like, nah, nah, don't worry about it, bro. Right. Nah, come on, come on, come on. I'm just a guy. <laughs> One, two at a time. You know what I mean? Because it is also weird to get that thrown back at you too. But when I'm on the grind and I got to go, I got to have my motivation to do it every day. Those days I lose. Those days I bomb. Those days I'm not hitting it. Mm. It's, I want to see what the promised land is. I want that chip. If I'm, mm. a, if I'm an athlete, right? Let mm. me see what the next step is. That keeps me going. So mm. it is a bit of a, a balance there. Mm. Yeah, I get that totally. And I, I find myself thinking that sometimes. Like I'll even do it. So philosophy is my thing. Like I just love thinking about life, why we're here, how we function, how we do all that. And sometimes I'll find myself just sitting, thinking, writing, whatever, and have this really good idea. And I'm like, ooh, I got to share that. I got to put that out there. Maybe I need to make a post. Maybe I need to do something. And I'll find myself asking the question, but why? Like, why do I need to put it out there? And there's an easy answer, which is like, well, maybe it'll help people. But I I have to also, like for myself, say like, but there's ego involved, right? Like there's some part of me that wants people to know I came up with that idea. And that's such a funny thing, because you'll hear a lot of people, you said it before, who will be like, oh, you got to kill that. You got to get rid of that. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't care if that person thinks it's a good idea. You just do it for you. But I can't bring myself to accept that. There's something about that drive of, I don't know if it's winning. I don't know if it's ego or whatever, but that ambition that comes from like, yeah, I want, I want Flo to recognize that I had a cool idea and I came up with it. I get there's toxicity in that, but there's also so much positive in that. Ego is one of those things where... When people always tell them about what what is the biggest killer for for me as an entertainer, I'll say doubt, and yeah. and that you can't you can't erase doubt. Doubt's kind of like your body odor, right? You can take a shower and get rid of it for a couple hours, but if you don't shower, it comes back. Mm-hmm. And ego is the other side. If you have zero ego, then you wouldn't create for anyone. You'll just kind of much be you'll fall in line. And if you have to become so violent and toxic with your ego that people don't want to be around you. That's the opposite. Mm. But I think there is a bit of a healthy ego inside. You think about visionaries throughout history. Steve Jobs, Michael Jackson, Kobe Bryant, everyone, Lizzie Vaughn, like everyone has an ego because th- there has to be a drive from within that you want more or something different. And no one's going to understand that. So when you say, hey, look, my team is not doing the effort I'm expecting. Or, hey, vendor in China who's making my notebooks, true story, um, I want these specifications. You guys are not, you're not making it happen. Then that's not necessarily bad right. or good if you're not hurting people on purpose. Well, and that's an interesting because you mentioned Steve Jobs. Michael Jordan comes to mind, too. 
there's a lot of people that have worked with or for those people that are like they're assholes like i they're they're not good people to be around and that's one of the things i think about too like is that possibly just people who are just like you know they didn't have the ambition they didn't have the drive and they just want to hate on people sure i'm sure there's some of that but it does get down to a very fundamental question let's just use steve jobs like he literally changed the world in many ways the technology that he helped create and brought into the world literally mm-hmm. changed the world but Maybe he wasn't the family man he could have been. Maybe he right. didn't treat people and just in those everyday interactions. Is one of them more important? I don't know. Like that's those are the types of answers I'm trying to get to. And I don't think there are clear answers on it. It's probably oh, different no. for anybody. There, there, there right? isn't a clear because everyone has their own their own mix of of what it is. It's cool to be personable. It's cool to to have everyone respect. You try to be respectful as you can. But if some if you have ambition and someone doesn't have the same level, it could be seen as aggressive. Mm-hmm. And and I cannot speak for women. But a lot of women visionaries have this issue sure. of when they're assertive, that being interpreted as being quote unquote bitchy, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something that is unfortunately a part of a byproduct of what's happening. But that's kind of the deal. Like you are coming in with the sight of the finish line. And not only are you trying to tell people where the finish line is, you're trying to build them a path to that finish line at the same time. It's going to happen. There's, there's, It's very rare to see someone who changes the world, except for like individual artists. Like if I was like a painter somewhere mm-hmm. and didn't really deal with anybody, if I have a collaborative team, if I was a director, if I was, if I was a, a CEO where someone doesn't go, hey, that's kind of a hard ass, but hey, things got done. You know, mm-hmm. well, make it real for you. Like if you had to, I, I could ask this question myself. I just do it since you're on the show. I'll ask you. Bada boom. If <laughs> if it was like you could achieve those dreams, what you wanted to achieve, right? You're doing you're doing stand up, like you're you're headlining on the road. You're still doing these spots of of esports commentating and all that, but you just don't see your family anymore. Like the reality is, like you just have maybe you see them a couple times a year, and it, yeah. maybe that's a bad example, but you know what I mean. Where like you do actually have to make that decision. What's more yeah. important, me being the visionary and achieving these dreams that I want to achieve, and maybe you change the entertainment industry in some way. You do your greatest dreams of the legacy you always wanted, but that other part of it, the family has to go away. Which decision are you making? You asking me personally, or just in general? Personally, the career career the career i don't i don't have a family so it's kind of easy for me to say that okay but but the but the idea is that like i've never i like having people who love me around but i've been around people who love me and i go what what left what what's next but i've never personally yet have been in a gig going i wonder my family's doing i'll tell them afterwards mm-hmm. now that's not the same for a lot of people but sure. some people say hey, look i quit to spend more time with my family or whatever some people don't engage with the family at all and people that resent them. But to me in the network I have, they understand that while I'm working, I'm working and I'll get, I'll set time for you. I'll set time for you. 110%. You don't want my attention divided. Do you? So give me my time to do this. You know, this is one gives me joy. Is there any hesitation in that? Because you obviously, I, I'm not judging you at all. I think exactly no, no, what you're no, saying. Everybody's you judge me, but, bro? No, no, no. <laughs> right? But like, there's some people that could be listening that could be like, oh, he just yeah. doesn't have it. Like he hasn't figured out life yet to think that career is that important or whatever. And who are they? That's to say, fair, obviously. but you can't pour from an empty cup. If I'm telling you that uh, entertaining gives me joy and gives me light, and you're saying don't do that, stay with your family, well, then I'm going to be physically in the room, but I won't be present, which is actually worse because I've had relatives who were there that weren't present. So yeah. what I'm saying is it, it's better for me to say I'm going on the road in three days. 
I'll be back on Saturday and Sunday, and those time is completely yours. Then trying to split half and half, or me going, I gave it up. My mom, when she came to this country, I'd say she wanted to be an Air Force nurse, and she was um, invalidated because she was too heavy, and I was too heavy to be in the Air Force. Imagine that. But there's times she'll look out the window and be like, if only I went out to the Air Force. <laughs> you know what I mean? That sucks to hear that. You know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. if I had the opportunity to be in that, my proverbial Air Force, my, my esports tournament, my comedy mm-hmm. show, hey, or I have a day off, I'm going to tell you what's going on and cash the checks and, and, and buy things because I'm doing what I love, then you'll understand that when I'm off, I get to give you the attention you deserve. Yeah. But I understand everyone's path is different. Because I can tell people the key to life is ABC and someone listening right now, I'm like, well, I'm over D guy. Mm-hmm. E is my thing. You don't understand. I'm an F situation. It's just the way it's going to be, you know, yeah. it's out of your hands. Yeah. And that's a degree of humility that we talked about before. I mean, just that acceptance of it's not the same for everybody. Everybody's got a different approach. And I think I'm asking a lot of these questions intentionally to be provocative, but I think also part of this is like the more people truly embrace that and embody that humility part of it, the less you're going to get somebody being like judgmental and like, why are you doing that? And that's wrong. I think a lot of that comes from people not sure for themselves of what really matters to them, of what really they value of all that stuff. And that's where that judgmentalness comes from. I think we all kind of take this approach. It's just like, let everybody be in their lane and do what they want to do. And that's kind of cool. Easier said than done. But Let me ask you a question. What, what is your, your, your path? Like, what is your, your dream job? Do you have one? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's philosophy, teaching philosophy to kids, teaching kids oh. how to think critically and think about what they want out of their lives. And a lot of the stuff we're talking about, like those, yeah. those skills, just sure. doing something like that. Shots at Manuel Kent. So imagine this. So I, I'm, I'm working at, I'm working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. That's sponsor of the show. I'm working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. I have the clock in. My boss is a jerk. These customers don't know. They come up with the cars are all dirty. I get yelled at on my counter. Mm-hmm. I'm getting paid, I don't know, $13 an hour at, at that to, to make things meet. And I'm looking at you and you're like, oh, I want to be a philosopher in my career. That also offends me. Sure. Like, what do you mean? A philo- I'm, I'm working. This is sure. why here in California, this is a big debate about $15 an hour for, for, for burger flippers. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't imagine doing that. I was like, if you live in LA, $25 an hour isn't enough <laughs> to live here. But but people will get mad because they go, I work hard. I get this. You should be doing this. I'm struggling with my boss. How dare you go out there and do something that's so flowery like Play-Doh? Ugh! Yeah. Tilly, you know, it's just the way it's going to be. And you yeah. can't let that get mad because they don't know the struggles you have. The problems you have in the philosophy game does not make sense to anyone. I cannot call my mother right now and be like, hey, look, for this Rocket League land, I got Passover for a job because they want to go in a different direction. Because my mom's mom chopped sugar cane. Mm-hmm. And you can't internalize someone's dismissal because their lives are different. And you have mm-hmm. to understand that everyone's path is different. And so even though you do something else, it might give you the same kind of hate that you were looking for. Mm-hmm. So well said, man. And, and again, I'll just give the plug for me. That's why I love philosophy so much and want to teach kids it. Everything you just said, the ability to have that awareness, to see that and to recognize. And again, it goes back to you as an entertainer or comedian, the patterns you spot in human behavior, the things you observe that allow you to grow and evolve as a person to me, that's philosophy. You're practicing it right now and you're oh, and you're using that to kind of live your life and that kind of practical form of it, I see so much value in. And that's what I think is super cool about this conversation and just kind of what you're doing. Um, so much so that maybe as we come towards the end, I got one question for you. I saw in the, in the write-up in the profile, WWE is a big thing of yours. You're a big fan. And I think you said something along the lines of like all of life, life's lessons can be learned from that, which yeah. as a philosophy person, I'm like, <laughs> and I, listen, there was no bigger Hulk Hogan fan growing up than me. So I'm, I'm brother, brother. WWF <laughs> what it used to be WWE. I still remember crying 
the night Ultimate Warrior beat him in uh, WrestleMania. <laughs> I'll never forget that. But anyways, I wanted to hear a little bit about that statement. I'm sure somewhat you said it for effect, but knowing yeah. you guys I do now, I think you believe it and there's truth to it. So tell me a little bit about that. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, wrestling, for those of the, who are lapsed, is is the 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 descendant of theater in the round. You no, know, mm-hmm. Shakespeare's high art now, but back then it was for the masses, and that's what wrestling is. It's emotions, it's betrayal, it's it's teamwork and tag team wrestling, it's love stories with Miss Elizabeth. You know what I mean? And and but more importantly, from a commentary standpoint, from an entertainer standpoint, you have to give people the show. I used to work in professional wrestling, and I wrote this in my book in, in Anaheim. Where which is a local independent promotion, we would get like 20 people on a good week, maybe mm-hmm. even six people who bought a ticket to a show. And I was a ring announcer. And you can't pretend and say, hey guys, only six of you guys here, our next contest is. You got to pretend as if everything was there because these people worked at those jobs and, and paid their hard-earned money <laughs> for this show. And so, yeah, when I when I started out, people, people go, hey, look, I want to try this new career path. I go start at the bottom. They go, well, I'm 35. I don't have to do that. And I go, you don't get to do that. You start at the bottom. You pretend it's the best thing you've ever done. You give everyone the show. <laughs> you give 120%. And then people go, well, I'm going to trust them with something that's bigger. And so I always say my career is built on that. Being an entertainer comes on that. Dressing a certain way. Costumes, entrances, having a cool name, having the, the diction and the way you say your points comes from wrestling, tag teams, love stories, WrestleMania being a big show, Raw being a weekly show. All that thing comes from professional wrestling, man. It it is one of the most layered forms of entertaining and storytelling. And before anyone says anything, I have two college degrees. I am not dumb, (laughs) and I know it's scripted. (laughs) Uh, That's that's a better answer than I even thought. And to me, it kind of puts a bow on this conversation a little bit of of one of the big takeaways. I always go back and listen and kind of reflect and think about what was said, but in the moment right now, among other things, it's it's how important being in the entertainment industry, how important it is to, to again, make observations like that, to understand. And WWE is probably a great example because they do such a good job of building an audience and building excitement <clears throat> that they must understand what people want. Just like Shakespeare, right? Understood yeah. the human condition, understood human dynamics. And what I take away from this with you is just your ability to blend reading the room, understanding what people want, giving them what they want, but doing it in your way that's true to you and kind of works for you. That's kind of like the magic sauce, I think. And that's what comes up. That's probably the magic I assume people hear when they when they hire you, when they bring you in for a thing. And yeah. that comes through loud and clear to me. So that's super cool. Oh, thank you so much. I think I think for the, the eSport thing, uh, it's a, I get the, you make people care. And I go, that's all that matters. That's all that matters to me. As long as you care about a video game being played by 13-year-olds <laughs> making your day, then I've won. Yeah, man. I get that. I get that. Well, listen, I appreciate it a ton. Like I said, I put it in the intro. I'll put it in links yeah. to all your stuff, the books, all the work you're doing. Um, my hope is always that people from that listen to this show get to hear you in long form and be like, oh, wow. Like, I didn't realize it was that deep and I didn't realize the backstory and all that. So hopefully that just adds to it. But if nothing else, you gave me a ton to think about and a super interesting perspective. So I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. Can I just say real talk? I, I always thought philosophy was the thing I didn't really understood. Uh, and then, you know, you know the, the, the pop series of philosophy books they have like on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, my favorite superhero is uh, Green Lantern, John Stewart. And so I had a uh, Green Lantern in philosophy and that like 
opened my mind. I was like, oh, yeah. is this, it's, it's for people like me. Yeah, that's the thing. It's gotten so academic and like people feel like it's stuffy and there's like these logic points. But to yeah. me, it's just thinking about what matters. Like, it's just having a happy life. It's just finding mm-hmm. joy and purpose in your life. To me, philosophy is about that. The more you kind of question and seek, not like necessarily big abstract things, although sometimes that's interesting, but just in the way we're doing it right here, I think it helps you just improve our quality of life in in, in a really pure way. And that's part of the reason I'm so into it and with kids. Like, if you can teach kids that, again, not that they need to know necessarily who Plato is or or Kant or whoever, but just thinking about their thinking and thinking about the decisions they're making and why they did it. And, oh, that feedback I just got, that hurt. Why'd that person say that? But mm-hmm. be able to really process that and think about it. I think you're an example of what that could do for you. So that's cool, man. I'm happy you're uh, you're on the philosophy board. Shots at why, y'all. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, man, I appreciate it. I hope you have an awesome day and good luck with everything you're doing. Wow, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.